All right, happy Easter to everyone. So glad you are here. Uh, We are a church that believes that you matter, you belong, and you can make a difference. Um, Speaking of making a difference, we as a church just sent a team to Cuba uh, right before President Obama got there. Our team trained 60 leaders in in that very spiritually needy country. Um, This is a part of our For the City and Beyond vision that so many of you are investing in. So good job. If you want more information about For the City and Beyond, you can pick up a package in the next area. Okay, so last fall, my wife Raylene and I had the privilege of going to Florida uh, to be a part of a conference for youth pastors, um, youth youth pastor couples in our denomination. And when they initially called and asked if we would be interested in speaking at this conference center on the beach in Florida in November, it took me about five seconds to pray about it and say yes. Um, And then I asked Raylene. Um, So we went a day early. We went a day early um, so we could have some time on the beach, to, you know, time together. And I was really looking forward to it. We arrived in the evening and it was a beautiful hotel, literally right on the beach. And as we get to the room and see this amazing view of the ocean, you know, I'm thinking this could be some, there could be some romantic potential here, could be a great evening, you know. So, so I go down the hall to get some ice. And, and as I'm there, I wanted to make sure the little uh, uh, plastic liner was in place. Um, okay, I'm a germaphobe or whatever, but okay, so I wanted to make sure that liner was in place in, in this ice bucket. And so I, I'm bent over at kind of a weird angle and all of a sudden I could not straighten up. My lower back was in absolute pain. So I, I hobble back to our room thinking several things. One, there goes the romantic evening. Uh, two, how am I going to explain to people that I injured my back at an ice machine? And, uh, and then three, will I even be able to speak at this conference the next day? I mean, the p- pain was excruciating. And as the evening wore on, I could not get comfortable. I couldn't sit. I couldn't stand. I couldn't lay down without pain. I mean, I couldn't get in a position to sleep. I was miserable. By six o'clock in the morning, I'd been up most of the night. By six o'clock in the morning, I was online looking for the nearest urgent care center and and the time that it opened. I I was desperate. But before I went to urgent care center, I decided to call a doctor friend of mine who is on our elder board. Thankfully, he was up early, or at least now he was. Um, and so I, <clears throat> I told him what had happened. And he said to me, before you go to urgent care, start taking the maximum amount of ibuprofen every six hours and alternate that with Tylenol. So I did. And I almost immediately felt like I had been given a new life. I could move without excruciating pain. I was going to be able to speak at this conference. My world suddenly looked a whole lot brighter. But here's the deal. <clears throat> what my doctor told me, I already knew. I already knew. I had heard that dozens and dozens of times over the year. I knew over the years that I knew this information before I called my friend, but I didn't apply it. I was looking for all sorts of other options like urgent care. When I had the solution all along, I just didn't use it. So why am I telling this story? Here's why. I think most believers in Jesus have a similar problem as it relates to the resurrection. We believe it. We, we, we have the information. Yes, Jesus rose from the dead. We celebrate it on Easter. We sing about it. You know, we do the whole he is risen. He is risen indeed thing. But when it comes to our everyday lives, when it comes to areas of pain and difficulty, when it comes to potentially debilitating circumstances, we don't apply what we know. We don't apply the resurrection of Jesus to our everyday lives. And it keeps us in our misery rather than enabling us to truly live. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything. It takes our everyday world of gray and repaints it in vibrant color. So in Acts chapter 2, 
The Apostle Peter preaches a message where he identifies five practical ways that living in the reality of the resurrection will impact our lives. In the midst of the pain, the challenges, and uncertainty of our world, we can be changed by the resurrection. Okay, the first life-changing thing the resurrection offers us is in the face of death, the resurrection gives us hope. Listen to what Peter says near the beginning of this message in Acts 2. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said this about him. I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. Now, do you hear what Peter is saying? Because Jesus was raised from the dead, our whole attitude towards death is changed. And I love Peter's quote from David in the Old Testament. My body will also rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. In the face of death, we can rest in hope. Jesus defeated death on our behalf. He promised us, us eternal life in his presence. I remember years ago when my mother passed away, it was about five years ago this summer, and, and as I watched cancer take its toll on her body, I was so angry at death. And I'm sure all of us here have felt the same way when loved ones are tragically taken from us through accidents or disease or old age. Death is not a friend. It is not a friend. It's an enemy. And what the resurrection of Jesus reminds us of is that it is a defeated enemy. It may look like it has the final word, but it doesn't. Our king, our savior, our champion defeated death for us. In fact, I love how Peter says it back in verse 24. But God raised him from the dead because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Notice it wasn't just unlikely. <laughs> Peter says it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. That's how amazing our savior is. This was not in doubt in the least this was not Super Bowl 50, right? Where we desperately hoped the Broncos could hold on in the fourth quarter. This was never in doubt. And it need never be in doubt in our hearts as well. Jesus is risen. Death is defeated. The grave is not the end. For those who place their trust in this amazing Savior, we can rest in this amazing hope that our death will actually be an entrance into life. Do you believe that? Are you willing to apply that truth to your heart when faced with death? Well, the second life-changing truth the resurrection offers us is this. In the face of despair, the resurrection gives us joy. Look with me at verse 28, which is the next verse in David's psalm that Peter was quoting. 
You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Our joy is found in the presence of Jesus. And our experience of Jesus' presence is directly connected to the resurrection, which Peter then explains in verse 33. Exalted to the right hand of God, he, Jesus, has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. See, Peter is talking about how because of the resurrection, Jesus is able to pour out the Holy Spirit upon us. And who exactly is this Holy Spirit? He is the manifest presence of Jesus. The Spirit is the very presence of Jesus in us. So if you have placed your trust in Jesus, you have his very own spirit living in you 24 seven. This is a constant reality. He is with us no matter what. You may be away from family at school, feeling alone and isolated. Or perhaps you are walking through the pain of a divorce. Or you may be lying awake at night for fear of losing your job or weeping over the choices your adult children are making. I mean, life is hard. Life is hard sometimes. Am I really saying that you can have joy in the midst of those difficult circumstances? Yes. Is that some empty spiritual platitude? No, it's real because Jesus is alive. His spirit is in you and with you. His presence can bring you a deep abiding joy no matter what you're going through. He is with you. Now again, we can know this intellectually just like I knew that ibuprofen would work, but are we actually applying this? Are we consciously living in the reality that he is with us? The third life-changing impact the resurrection can have in our lives is this. In the face of spiritual battles, the resurrection gives us victory. Listen to what Peter says next, verse 34. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Now, this is so cool. Peter is quoting from an Old Testament passage written hundreds of years before that speaks prophetically about Jesus. And it says that Jesus is to be seated at the right hand of God and that his enemies will be a footstool at his feet. Well, then Peter says this, hey folks, what that Old Testament passage was describing, that's exactly what has just happened. Jesus has risen from the dead. He is now seated at the right hand of the Father, and his enemies are now a footstool at his feet. In other words, as Peter declares here, Jesus is Lord. This Jesus is Lord. That, 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 that is the supreme title of the universe. It's better than Superman. It's better than Batman. It's better than Iron Man and Captain America. Lord. Jesus is Lord over creation. He is Lord over death. He is Lord over circumstances. He is Lord over kings and presidential candidates and rulers and nations. He is Lord over every power and every authority, which is awesome. But what does that mean for us? Listen to how the Apostle Paul describes this reality in Ephesians 2. This is amazing. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy 
made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, did you, did you catch what Paul is saying? When we place our trust in Jesus and receive his salvation by grace, notice what happens to us at that moment. We are raised up with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly realms. I mean, think of that. Not only is Christ seated at the right hand of God, we are seated there with him. In other words, in the spiritual realm, we have the authority of Jesus. We have power and dominion over the enemy and his demonic host. See, the problem again is, is this ibuprofen problem, okay? We don't necessarily apply this reality to our daily lives. We may know it in our head, but we don't live it out. We often walk around as defeated ones with our heads down, embracing an Eeyore approach to life. Woe is me. You know, so many things are against me. Nothing's going my way. I mean, let me remind us again of what Paul declares. If you are in Christ, you are seated with Jesus in the heavenly realms. You have been given his authority, his power, his victory. I mean, isn't it time for us to live like victors rather than victims? Again, again, it is not about our power. It's not about our victory. It's all about Jesus. He is Lord. I mean, that, that sort of changes everything when you realize that you are seated with him in the heavenly realms. I, I drive a little C a Honda CRV, which I love, okay? But the other day, I had to borrow my friend's um, truck, pickup truck, to, to move some furniture. I mean, there is, there's something about being in a truck that just makes us feel powerful, right? I mean, you're sitting up high and the sound of the engine, you know, and knowing all that horsepower underneath you, it just feels powerful. Well, here's the deal. Jesus doesn't drive a CRV. He doesn't. He, he drives a big truck. And there is power under his hood. And we are seated with him in his truck. Do we believe that? Do we believe that? I mean, imagine the impact if instead of moping into work as defeated, discouraged peons, we walked into work confidently as those who are united with the Lord of the universe. Imagine the impact in your family if rather than continuing to passively let Satan spread his lies and his fear and his discouragement and anger onto your family, you went home and you said, enough. This home belongs to Jesus and he happens to be Lord of the universe. So in his name, I command every foul spirit to leave this place. From now on, we are declaring that this family is under the lordship and the life of Jesus. Can you imagine the impact in our lives if we stopped telling ourselves how stupid we are and how ugly we are and how incompetent we are and how weak we are and instead we let Jesus, the Lord, tell us the truth about who we are in him. I mean, talk about grays being changed to vibrant color. Jesus wants us to realize that we are seated with him in his truck. 
He wants us to live with our heads high and our hearts at peace, knowing he is Lord, knowing that Satan and his demons are just footstools at Jesus' feet, and we can trample on them as well in the name of Jesus. Jesus is Lord. I mean, is that simply an intellectual truth to us? You know, something that we can say and we can sing about, or is it a truth that is impacting how you and I live our lives? The fourth life-changing truth or impact of the resurrection can have in our lives is this. In the face of disease, the resurrection can give us healing. I want to jump over to Acts chapter 3, where Peter is again speaking to a group of people. And the reason is because Peter has just prayed for a lame man, and suddenly the man is healed. And everyone is astonished at this. And so here's what Peter says. And I want you to again notice the emphasis on the resurrection. Fellow Israelites... Why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can see, as you all can see. See, because of the resurrection of Jesus, healing power is poured out. I mean, this continues through the book of Acts, and then we see evidences in the letters of Paul, and then historians attest to the fact that one of the marks of the church in the first few centuries was healing. People were getting healed in Jesus' name. I mean, and what else would we expect, right? If God overcame physical death in Jesus' body, why would we not expect him to continue to heal people physically? Now, I'm not saying that because of the resurrection, every person who's prayed for in Jesus' name will be healed. I'm not saying that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that's what the Bible teaches, that every person who prays in faith in the name of Jesus will be healed. But there are a lot of Christians who, for fear of that extreme, choose to never pray for healing for anyone. It's as if this resurrected Jesus thing doesn't really apply to sickness, Oh, we'll go to a doctor and we'll take medicine and all those things. And those are really important. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, but we never pray for healing. I mean, what might we be missing as a result of this? I talked with someone, just talked with someone in our church just a couple weeks ago, a mom who was ex- just, ex- whose daughter was extremely ill, thrown up and all this stuff. And it happened at a time when all these things were going on in their family. So they're just in the midst of feeling overwhelmed as she held her daughter while her daughter's throwing up and sick and all this. This mom decided to ask Jesus to heal her daughter. And so she prayed this simple prayer. She admitted to me later, she did not have very much faith at all that anything would happen. In fact, after praying this quick prayer, she immediately began walking away to figure out what she needed to do when her daughter said, mom, I feel better. She was was healed immediately. See, that's the kind of thing that resurrected saviors do. But are we applying this truth? Are we praying for healing? Asking him to touch our loved ones. Not, Not claiming healing, but praying, asking. See, I think Jesus would want us to pray for healing way more often than we do. And I'm pretty confident that we would see lots more people being healed by his power. If we did, 
Well, in Peter's message in Acts 2, there was, he shares one more life-changing impact the resurrection of Jesus can have in our lives. In the face of divine judgment, the resurrection gives us new life. Look at verse 36. Peter, or listen to me, listen as I read this. Peter says to the crowd, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? See, why were they cut to the heart? Because Peter said, this Jesus whom you crucified is now Lord. They crucified the Lord. And that is not a good position to be in, right? They deserved his judgment. They crucified him. They deserved his judgment. Now, now here's what we need to understand. We are just like them. You see, we too have crucified this Messiah. Our sin is what put him there on the cross. We are just as guilty. We, we are just as deserving of God's judgment. Now, the good news, as Peter proclaims to them, is that there is a way to escape this judgment. There is a way to have our sins forgiven. How? Two things are critical. Repentance and faith. Peter says to them first, repent. To repent means to own your stuff, to own your sin. No excuses, no comparison. Well, I'm better than so-and-so. No rationalization. It is to own our sin before God and say, God, I'm a sinner and I've rebelled against you, and I deserve your judgment. That's repentance. The second critical response is faith. Place your trust, not in your own effort, place your trust in Jesus as the Savior who died on the cross for your sins and who rose from the dead to give you life. Place your whole life in his capable hands, your fears and your doubts and your, 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 your sins. Just place all your failures, just all of that. When you do those, those two things, when you repent of your sin, admitting your need, and you place your faith in Jesus. You, at that moment, at that very moment, you enter into a personal, eternal love relationship with God, and you are given all the things we've talked about today. Hope in the face of death, joy in the midst of despair, victory in your spiritual battles, and the privilege of praying for healing in the midst of disease and injury. If you've not entered into this relationship with Jesus, today would be a great, way, a great day to do that. And if you have entered into this relationship, today would be a great day to start living in the fullness of that relationship. Take your spiritual ibuprofen. <laughs> Apply the things you know and let the Lord change your grace into vibrant colors. Amen. Let's, let's pray together. I want to give an opportunity. You can just bow your head. I want to give an opportunity for those of you who are saying, you know, I need that relationship with Jesus. I want that. I want my sins forgiven. And I want to know that I'm in a relationship with God where he is transforming me from the inside out. Again, it's not about you trying hard. It's not about you going to church and doing all these things. It's about you repenting of your sin, placing your faith in Jesus. So I want to lead you in a prayer. Where in the silence of your heart, you can just pray along with me and do those two things and enter into this relationship right now. Just pray along with me in the silence of your heart. Dear God, I acknowledge that you are Lord. You are holy. And I'm not. I acknowledge, Jesus, that my sin 
placed you on the cross. I have sinned against you. I, I own that. I acknowledge my sin. I'm sorry. And I choose right now to place my trust in you, Jesus. You died on the cross in my place. You died as a sacrifice for my sins. And I place my trust in you alone. I bring you my failures and my fears and my doubts and my sin, just all of it. I place it on your shoulders. I place it on you. And I now receive your life in exchange. Forgive my sin, past, present, and future. All of my sin. And now come to live in me through the presence of your spirit. I receive you. Change me from the inside out. Father, I pray for anyone who prayed that prayer. I pray they would grow in this relationship with you. Help them grow in this relationship. And I prayed, I just I want to mention for those of you who did pray that, just highlight the Alpha course. It starts very soon, uh, in, in, a, in a couple weeks. What a great next step that would be, just to take Alpha, to grow in this relationship. So God, thank you for the life you're pouring out. And now I want to pray for the rest of us here who have placed our trust in you. I want to pray, God, that we would apply the resurrection in these areas in our lives in ways maybe we haven't been. I pray for us to, to live in hope in the face of death, that death is defeated. I pray for each one of us here to live in joy in the midst of difficulty, knowing that you are with us and you will never leave us. I pray for victory. I just pray for the, the realization that you are victor and that we don't have to live as Eeyores, as victims. We don't have to believe these, these lies we're saying about ourselves and all the things we're saying about ourselves and just the way we're looking at our, our families or the way we're looking at our work situation. Just all, just we're, we're under the pile and, and we're the victims. Lord, we don't have to live that way any longer. And so I pray that we would take the authority that is ours, that we would realize we're sitting in your truck, Jesus, rather than our CRV. We're sitting in your truck and with all the horsepower you have and you invite us to sit there with you, to live in that. And I just pray that our attitudes would change, that you would lift and drive back the work of the enemy against our families and our jobs and against ourselves, just our selfishness, all those things. Lord, you would, you would drive those things back and we would stand in you and in who you are, Lord. And I want to pray for healing to be poured out. I ask for healing for anyone here who's needing healing. We just pray you would touch them. You would touch them. Heal them, Lord. Thank you that you are God of healing. So Jesus, we love you. We praise you. What an amazing savior you are. <laughs> and we celebrate your resurrection, not just as a, as a theological truth, not just as something kind of cool that happened, but as something that changes our lives. And so we pray that you would help us experience the fullness of the resurrection, that we would live in it, we would apply it to our lives, and we would be changed as a result. Thank you, Jesus, for rising from the dead. We love you. We praise you. And we worship you now. So why don't we do that, whatever campus you're at here, why don't we stand as the worship team leads us in, a, in responding to this amazing Savior. If at some point you want to sit down, that's totally cool. But we encourage you to stand, invite you to stand. Let's worship him. Jesus, we love you, we worship you, and we praise you.